Hello, my name's James Pikeway. Welcome to Potaholics and another episode of We Will Fix It with Colin Thomas from We Will Fix It Dubai and Essential Maintenance Dubai for the next, well, I don't know, maybe 45 minutes to an hour. We're going to talk about DIY at home and all of the ins and outs of making that work. It's always great to be able to sit down with Colin and we're doing it again via Zoom. Colin, welcome to the program. Great to have you back. It is lovely to be back, James. Uh, couldn't be here last week. It was all just a bit too hectic. Um, everybody is dealing with the constant changes that the not just the coronavirus, but the lockdown is causing. So, so it's, it's busy. <laughs> so, so, I mean, you guys are in the maintenance business globally. This is got to be one of those times, well, maintenance and repair and upkeep of facilities. Globally, this has got to be a really challenging time as organizations and groups like yourself figure out how, A, to keep things rolling because stuff breaks down, but B, how to constantly, as I, I constantly use this term from uh, Jamie Oliver, how to duck and dive with regulations and with the thinking that evolves on an hourly basis. So how, how are you guys doing? Um, daily COVID-19 meetings. So when we come in every morning, that's the first thing that we do is sit down, work out what changed overnight um, and, and react to it there and then. Um, quite a lot of proactive as well. So um, an understanding of where we think the regulations are going to go um, and where, where that leaves us. Keeping our guys up to speed is critical. They're as worried as everybody else and trying to communicate with them that, A, we are doing everything possible to keep them safe and us still working has been really critical. So it's been, you know, if you could take out the human side of, um, of the coronavirus and the horrific things that it's, uh, it's caused to so many nations around the world, as a purely business challenge, it's been quite something and, and, and um, you know, quite exciting in many ways to, to, to deal with. It, there is no constant, nothing is a constant, and we're, we're now just expecting the unexpected, and that has to be how people react right now. So you, I want to I go back to the guys who literally are on the front lines. You typically have teams of two or three that go out and they deal with everything from now air... Con- strictly two. Oh, so now you're at, you're at two. For this space, our vans, as you know, sit three. Under no circumstances does that middle seat get used. Okay. Um, we now have supply... I mean, just the basics of... We need to secure supplies of our, our medical masks. Um, so... As people know, in Dubai for the last two weeks, that has been a really difficult scenario. And um, for us, I need to have a runway as long as possible so that I know my guys are protected for as long as possible. So we have an initial supply of 2,000 that we're able to get our hands on. We then move that to 4,000. Today, we're buying another 2,000. So we have literally 6,000 masks available for our guys, which even then only takes us through to June. So the, the practicalities of when you are responsible for, well, in, in our case, close to 100 staff is, is something that weighs very heavily on our shoulders. Um, so we've put everybody through separate COVID training. Uh, all of our guys have the gloves and masks that are mandated. 
um, all of our offices and vehicles are getting sprayed, uh, well, the offices on a daily basis, the vehicles every other day. We are now, we just implemented a couple of days ago that um, any location within a customer's house that we're in, we will fully sanitise afterwards free of charge to give people at home that peace of mind that, um, you know, if you have us in our house, we're doing everything possible to keep it safe. That's a really interesting scenario that you're literally going to go into someone's house, you're going to work on their AC, you're going to help them with a water leak, you're going to replace a water pump, and you're offering to, for free of charge to, to sanitize their environment? Yeah, in the areas where we're working. It's a simple story. If you imagine the, the basic issues that you have, and this is any business operating um, within this environment, the first thing is, you're absolutely right, so regulations. What are we actually allowed to do within the regulations? Separately from that, you then have the access issues for each of the developments, and they're, they're all different um, as it sits. And they don't necessarily completely tie in with the, uh, the requirements. Some of them are more draconian than the, uh, than the rules and regulations here in Dubai. So that basically only gets you to the front door. The main issue over the last week has been people understandably being really scared about um, having anybody in their home, emergency or not. So, the, and then also there's a bunch of companies that have turned up saying, oh, we will come and sanitize your home. And, and what most of these companies aren't aware of is if you want to charge for that as a service, there are significant regulations and courses that you have to do with the buying municipality here. You can't just offer it as a service which is just ridiculous. So what we've done is the opposite approach, which is, okay, practically speaking, what is it that people are worried about within the home environment, and what can we do to help with that? And for us, it was simple, which is, okay, if we sanitize, so we are recommending for people, if they are worried about it, to isolate themselves in an area of the house where we will not be. Um, not only do we obviously have a social distancing scenario, but we're going one step beyond that. So, um, therefore, we will, um, over the phone, take even more detail than we normally do, so our guys are briefed that they're ready for arrival, so they understand exactly what is going on. We will then isolate our guys as much as possible within the home, so that way there isn't any risk of infection there. And then secondly, we now have 30 fogging machines which are going to physically fog the spaces that we've been in before we leave. And it is literally just a sweep as they walk out of the house, all tools are left, they then go back, they start at the point where they start and they go all the way to the front door. So tell me about these fogging machines, Colin, and, and what do they do and how does that work to sanitize the environment? Yeah, so um, basically what we decided to go down, the route we went down was... We wanted to stick with um, uh, fogging agents that we're comfortable with and that have been tested. Uh, we've used Dettol since 2008. Um, a lot of the specialist um, uh, fogging agents, antibacterial, etc., etc., are from very specialist small companies that haven't actually done the level of testing. They're making an assumption that they're going to work with the COVID um, group of viruses. Uh, as a whole. What I like about Dettol is because obviously they are, uh, it's a brand of a, uh, an enormous company with a big long history, is they've done all the testing on the previous COVID um, viruses. As you're probably aware, they're all from one big family, um, which includes SARS and the various other um, uh, better known 
viruses that are out there. As it sits right now, there isn't a company that we found that has done COVID-19 testing for the simple reason that COVID-19 has not been made available as a sample to commercial companies to be able to operate. What we do know from the, the academic testing that has been done um, is it reacts in a very similar way to the rest of the COVID, um, the rest of the COVID viruses, COVID-19 that is. Dettol's perspective on it is they have put out a press release saying um, we know that these particular Dettol products work at these concentrations with all the other COVID, so there's no reason at all why it shouldn't work with COVID-19, even though we, like everybody else, have not been able to test it. So that's what we've stuck with. We've stuck with the, uh, the medical concentration of Dettol liquid, um, and uh, interestingly enough, you can't get a fogger in the UAE for love nor money, and we've got eight anyway that are used, uh, generally speaking, for as part of our standard AC duct cleaning process as the last stage. But we wanted every team to be able to do it. So what we actually did was we were using um, a product that's actually designed as an electric car sprayer. So it's okay. there to spray car paint. But it's also designed to work with stains, which are liquid-based, and it works better the thinner the substance. So therefore, with us using basically a water-based um, Dettol mix, um, it works better than it was designed to work spraying cars. And also, we were able to get stock so every single team now has this equipment uh, with them. Um, and yeah, it's, it's working extremely well so far. What, what kind of feedback are you getting from your customers? They must be reassured with this really added level of... Yeah, it's, um, I think we all understand that there is a risk and there's a risk that can be mitigated to a certain degree. Um, for us as a, you know, we will fix it in essential maintenance. Our aim is to mitigate it as much as we possibly can. You know, there's news overnight, I don't know whether you've heard it, but um, the Prime Minister in, uh, in the UK has just been put in intensive care. We've got, it, this is not a virus that is down, just down to people who are not social distancing. It is um, kind of aggressive in the way that it can be, uh, that it can be, um, that people can, can contract it. So our aim is to mitigate just as much as we possibly can. And um, really, when I knew that this, this was open and a possibility to us, uh, we literally had it. Um, the sample unit was with us inside two and a half hours of realizing this process could work. We had it tested over the next two, uh, two or three hours to prove that it would work. Uh, at which time the order was in and we had them purchased and ready to go and operational the next morning. So it literally was within 24 hours of the concept that it was actually implemented and out. Um, and if anything else comes up, I mean, we're literally watching the whole time if there's anything else that we can do to protect our staff and our customers, then of course, you know, in this environment, it's exactly what we do. On a, on a, on another more human note, how how are your staff doing? How how are the guys the you know the two man teams that are heading out into different houses into different businesses? How how are they how are they faring mentally with this? You know, into the abyss, into the unknown. You, you just don't know what you're going to be confronting. Not with the repairs they're doing, but with the unknown of how they're going to deal with potential exposure to this virus. Yeah, um, 
there's obviously that worry there. Um, what we're trying to do is to keep them up to speed. So we have a, um, a daily WhatsApp group, we have a weekly meeting, and um, the focus on that is um, an update of world events so that if they've missed something, then we can provide that information for them. Um, and an understanding of what best practice looks like and constant reminders. You know, you will hear these shouts frequently in our offices of two meters, social distancing, without a doubt. When process is in place, every van is tagged. We are, before we're allowed in in the morning, every single stop, before you are allowed in this building, temperature checks are done and um, reported so that we have all of that information for us there. And we've been doing that for weeks and weeks now. So it's about getting processes in place to make sure that nothing, um, nothing breaks down under pressure. And secondly, the fact that they're seeing how rigid we are being as a company in the implementation of that, I think gives them uh, quite a lot of confidence that, um, that we are being safe during their work hours. What's critical for us as well is that they understand that this isn't something during work hours, this is something at home that they need to implement as well. So, uh, for instance, today we've just doubled the quantity of masks that they're being given so that they have multiple masks per day. And now that we're going to secure the extra stock, which was a big battle for this morning. And um, uh, we're trying to hammer home to them that social distancing um, and these masks are something they should be doing for uh, the entirety of this period. I, I find it interesting when we talk social distancing and, and I follow people like Emma Brain and, and others who are posting pictures from their balconies of where they're living here in Dubai with people who just aren't doing it. They're out jogging, they're out running, they're, they're, they're just out socializing. And I, I've seen pictures from around the world the, the same that, that some folks just don't get the concept of having that space so that potentially we're not passing this virus from one person to the other to really help mitigate the spread. And it, it's, it's the craziest thing, isn't it? It is crazy. But then, you know, the, the one thing that's in my mind is um, there is nowhere else in the world that I would rather be right now than in the mm. UAE. You know, what the government here has done to manage the, uh, the spread of, um, of the virus is, is quite frankly exceptional. If you look at the, the statistics, you know, they've done um, testing on 212,000 people in the UAE. That, that figure's actually about uh, three, four days old now. But they've arranged for that to happen. And you look at any comparable country, apart from Iceland, interestingly enough, and they're at less than a quarter of that. And when, you know, what I've read is basically said, if you test and test on a mass scale, it is going to help you flatten that curve. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just confused now because the communication was, it, there's been a lot of communication and it has been at varying levels. It has been really clear at all circumstances what is allowed and what is not allowed. And when there has been an ambiguity, inside six hours of that press release going out from WAM or the Dubai Health Authority, uh, et cetera, et cetera, and the various um, uh, disaster committees that we have, it's been clarified and it's been spread and we've known very, very clearly. So what is totally clear is you are not allowed to go out of your home apart from uh, for an essential shop, in which case you must be wearing a mask and gloves as an absolute minimum. 
you are not allowed to job here in the UAE, you are not allowed to uh, walk your dog, you're not allowed to socially group. And yet, 100 yards from my home this morning as I'm going into um, into the office, because we do need to be here, um, I've got three um, Western people who clearly have been having a job, have stood on the corner of a roundabout, having pulled their masks down to have a discussion. And you're just like, what level of, of, of ridiculousness is that? So yeah, it's around the world, and here I think it's better than most, but people still aren't getting it. I'm, I'm really impressed with the permit system that we need to get when we go out. Now, not only does that permit system apply to vehicles, it also applies to if you need to walk because there are highly condensed areas of population here in the UAE, much like around the world, take New York or London, etc. And you need to get a permit. What I found really interesting with the permits, especially as it applies to cars, is all of the cameras that are synced around the city from from petrol stations, radar detectors, going into malls, etc. And, you know, there, someone said to me, well, you could put in where you're going to go and you could game it and go somewhere else. And I said, no, you can't because they cross-reference it. Once you put in your license plate and you put in the times, the, the computer systems that they have in place here, again, to enforce this for our, for our own benefit keep track of this and if you're that person who's going to game it they're going to catch you and ask hold on a second you said you were going to to spinney's and you ended up over in you know jamera beach what gives this is not allowed and they're they're going to catch you right off so i'm i'm as you said you know really really impressed with what the government here is doing and the extraordinary steps they're taking to flatten and literally erase this curve because that is the only way you can do it. You have to stop the spread. And how do you stop the spread? You stop it by people literally being too close to each other. Yeah. You know, the, you talk about, um, you spoke about our staff and that side of things. You know what? We, we understand that right now as a business, we are better off than most. You know, um, we are a little bit down, but I've got friends who are in the events industry that are just mm. wiped out. And I've got, you know, relations here who no longer have a job. Um, and it's just devastating. It's necessary, um, but it is, it's devastating for people. And, you know, we all need to be very mindful of that. Yeah. Do you know, I, I wanted to jump forward a little bit and when we start talking and, and you, you open the door to, you know, things with business are continuing in a sense, you guys are an essential service. You need to keep our infrastructure in our environments and those are our apartments, our villas, etc. You need to keep that infrastructure functioning. Do, are you finding, and maybe this is just my own perception, maybe it, it's an incorrect perception, but because we're spending more times in our domicile, where we live, that we're putting more strain and stress on it and more things are are breaking because we're using more of the washrooms more often. We're using our air conditioning now more often. And, and these little things that might have just been on the brink of needing some maintenance, needing some repairs, now are being taxed and they are breaking. Are you finding that or yeah. is... Well, there's no two, absolutely, I mean, it's not even a question, that, that is absolutely the case. Um, you've got that, the, the, the basic emergency, um, which luckily, you know, like I say, we've been classed as a vital sector as we work with both uh, district cooling, which is one of the points that was made, 
we're working with water, we're working with electricity. We are a support logistics uh, company in many respects, um, as well as the uh, support sector of maintenance actually named us as, as we went. Um, so that's been, that's been really kind of key. In terms of customers, yes, if you imagine there are lots of people who are normally out of work, kids are at school, so the ACs are not on. There's those people that got an early service in, you know, four, six weeks ago, who are sitting very comfortable, very pretty right now. Um, and there are quite a large percentage of people that didn't. So two things there, you're absolutely right. Purely from a, um, a mechanical perspective, things are breaking down more, without a doubt. Um, that's really clear when we look at the, the amount of emergency work that we're doing. Um, but also there's that quality, the quality of air that is, mm. um, that is within the environment because everybody is stuck indoors on the whole. So as a result, people are breathing that air so much more and, it, and it's just not, as, uh, not as, as, as great as it would be for a unit that was uh, recently cleaned. So yeah, we're getting, we're getting a lot uh, of inquiries coming in from that perspective. I, I think we wanted, Colin, we want to jump right into our feature part of our typical podcast because we got a lot to do, and that is... 10 Minutes with Colin! Everyone loves that feature of the show, and I suspect our... 10 Minutes with Colin! Could go probably a little bit longer than 10 minutes today. But let's jump into it because it's DIY in lockdown. And you are in the enviable position of a working in the DIY industry, also being considering you're going to be considering a move yourself, which requires some DIY, both where you are and where you're going to. And now more and more people are sitting down and they're thinking, hey, you know what? I need something else to, to, to create some diversion in my life. I want to get into some DIY. So this means yeah. they need you, Colin. Let's, let's jump right into it. Okay. So um, if you imagine the limitations of what we've got right now. So normally when you're doing a DIY project, it's a, it's a trip to the store to get what you need. Right now, that's not really possible, is it? Because we're on lockdown and it, it wouldn't be classed as an essential trip. So that's not going to happen. So kind of the start point has to be what do you have around you and what projects do you have that are uh, either going to be possible via the tools and materials that you've got at home or alternatively don't require any. So my start point actually was those that don't really require any tools. Mm. So as a home project, now is the perfect time both from a, a mental health perspective and also sanitation perspective to move your rooms around. Mm. Oh, that's so at the start point, let's think about that rearrangement. So, first of all, a living room. If you're going to move a living room around, um, how long ago was it that you lost cleaned under those sofas? <laughs> Maybe now would be a really good time to actually sanitize it. So most people have Dettol or a similar antibacterial um, uh, lotion or um, liquid, rather, in their homes. Why not now move everything, give it a really, really deep clean, and then think about a new layout? Because if you're stuck at home and everything is the same, you need something for a bit of mental stimulation. And you'd be amazed how used to your current layout you've become. Interestingly enough, we as a family have moved rooms. We didn't kind of realize that we'd become kind of pigeonholed in almost the kind of um, 
breakfast room area that's like associated right alongside the kitchen. And we weren't really using the lounge. It's ridiculous. We've got this lounge now with a big TV and instead we all cram into the breakfast room, sitting on the one little sofa with one little TV, just because it's kind of what we've always done. So instead, we've tried to move ourselves down uh, into the other room. And um, as it is in our house, we are, we are constant cleaners, to say the least. And obviously, my ACs are kept remarkably uh, clean. So we don't have to worry too much about that. Um, but that has been our, our kind of first step along the way. I got to say, Colin, I want to jump in for just a second. We, we've been moving things around in our own house because we've started doing online yoga with Urban Yoga. And amazing, exactly as you said, in order for us to do this, we had to, we've had to reconfigure our lounge in a sense so that the sofas are moved around and, and we can set up our yoga mats. I moved the sofa, one of the sofas, and, and we're, we're good cleaners. We keep our place clean, but uh, clearly not as clean as I thought because the first time I moved that sofa, I'm going, what is this under here? And it wasn't so much dust bunnies, but we have pets and pets have had accidents. And this accident was clearly from a long time ago. And I'm just thinking, wow, yeah. we, we have to be more vigilant in our cleaning in general. So move, as you said, moving the room, gives you that opportunity yes. to deep clean and to rethink your environment a little bit and, and make it a little bit more practical. You know, the other thing you can do is take it that step further. If you've got a, a, a Dettol um, liquid or equivalent, an antibacterial uh, liquid there, if you've got just a standard hand sprayer, you can actually create the same scenario as we were talking about before with the, uh, the sanitization that we're doing which obviously is much quicker with a machine, but you can do it on a, just with a hand spray uh, as well. And maybe doing one room at a time so you can isolate yourselves in the other room whilst it all settles down. Uh, mm -hmm. It might be a really good time to do that too. Nice. So tip number one for DIY is reorganize your rooms and maybe take it to the extreme and rethink the rooms that you spend all your time in and, and just yes. make your environment more practical for what we're facing and what we're in the midst of. I, I like that idea. Absolutely. The second the second point for a DIY jobs to do on lockdown is we all have a list of jobs that we intended to do already been the sh uh, to the shop to be able to get the materials that you needed and are still sat in the Ace Hardware or Speedex bag, not having been done. Okay. Yes, yes. When is there a better time than now to actually get that done? You're right. You know, it's absolutely perfect. Now, I have got a little puppy who, bless him, is utterly legendary. We love Rolo to pieces. But he has chewed the corners off um, about, oh, I don't know, four of the open shelves in our kitchen area. So hopefully tomorrow when I won't be in the office, I'm going to start the process of um, sanding that back and restaining it. Luckily, I've got all the materials I need at home to be able to do that. But also, as I will be moving out at the end of um, July, it's a basic job that if I don't do, my landlord's going to charge me for. So it seems like a really sensible idea to get all that kind of stuff arranged. And what I'm actually going to do is, first of all, I'm going to make a uh, basically an audit of the property with a list of everything that we need to do to get it back to a standard that is suitable for handover back to a landlord. 
Important to say that here in Dubai, the rules now are that we don't have to repaint the property, although we had that already arranged with our landlord previously. Um, but there are lots of little jobs that actually I just don't think it's fair to, uh, to leave the landlord with. Um, so actually I have a leaking water, oh here's a case in point, I have a leaking water heater that uh, was from a water heater that we don't normally use, in fact we don't ever use, um, which was just a very small drip that really had no implication whatsoever. So uh, as it is, I've isolated that area of the house so that my own uh, We Will Fix It, or one of my We Will Fix It teams, uh, came in this morning, they were able to enter from the garage, go straight into the laundry um, area and change that water heater without ever having to come into contact with, um, uh, with Natalie or the family in any shape or form. And they're isolated now in the lounge, which is the other side of the property. Um, oh, one other thing I forgot to mention from a business perspective, we've also just implemented contactless payment as oh. uh, every single team. So how does that yeah. working? So what's, what's, what does that entail? Uh, so it's the, um, you know, the normal handheld visa machines. Well, yeah. we had 10 of them, which was a quantity that MXMBD were thought was almost unheard of. It seems like most companies kind of rotate them around. Mm-hmm. So we said, well, take that 10, I'll, uh, we'll, we'll add another uh, 30, please, so that every single team <laughs> now has, has one of these contactless machines. And the problems are brilliant because... Either you can tap a, a credit card on them, so again, no contact required um, over money, so physical money. They also do Apple Pay, Samsung Pay, all of the main payment methods you can use with the new generation um, of um, contactless payment machines. And, and it basically, again, it's all about just trying to minimize all those contact points that, that, that could cause an issue. Yeah. So, yeah, so we have that in place as well. But again, that would have been kind of sat there for ages and, uh, with the water heater. I just yeah. haven't thought about it. And in truth, with the water heater, if you're uh, pretty DIY savvy, you know what you're doing. It is possible to do that yourself. I wouldn't recommend it because it really is a two-man job. Um, but again, that's something that, um, that people can do. But that was on my list for ages that I've got to get this sorted. What a great tip that you've got. And as you point out, and I, I'm going to reduce it down even to a more basic concept, is doing your home audit. And if you're like me, I've lived in my place for you know 20 years, and there are all sorts of little things that I've just grown. I can live with that. I, you know, I, I can think of one right off the bat. In my, my lounge, I've got a, a baseboard tiles so tiles that go around the lounge in that form the baseboard and and one of those tiles has come off and i just balanced it back up and it's you know i don't i don't look at it i don't see it it doesn't bug me the day i move we'll get it all repaired or since i've been here for 20 years i'm thinking my landlord's going to gut where i live anyway so who knows but in, in the process of going room to room, I'm finding, you know, little things, little socket plugs that need an extra screw that I've just lived with because I don't use it, the baseboard things. When the, the windows, the tracks from my windows, some of them have sand in them, but I don't ever open those windows. But now that I'm using, for instance, one of my kids' rooms as my home office for my classes, I'm opening up the window and I'm noticing, hey, I need to do something with this track. So do, doing that entire home audit... So that you've got, again, those little projects that, so, you know, take the window track. What's it take? I just need to get my little brush. I need to get my vacuum, sweep it out, maybe put a little bit of uh, silicon spray in there so that it moves nice. And away we go. I've got a better working window in my my home. But again, just doing that audit. 
I agree with you, but the aspect people don't think about so much, which is really important, is your mental health when mm. you're home in isolation. Yeah. And you know what? Having that list of jobs and working through that list of jobs is really good for your mental health. You know, it, it's, it gives you something to do and a job to do when, you know, there's lots of people out there right now um, that really are struggling with, with that whole isolation thing. I, you know, and I got to admit, I put a little thing up on, on Instagram this morning, just uh, sorry, on LinkedIn this morning, just talking about literally kind of doing breathing exercises is what it's all about centering yourself. But the, the, the tail part of that sort of tip for how to keep yourself sane was make a list. And again, like doing a home audit, go make the list. Every time you finish something, check it off, celebrate it. Yeah. You want, and I, I think make that list really visible so that you can say, okay, well, what are the two things I'm going to do today? What are the things I'm going to get cleared yeah. off by the end of the week? And in the, as you said, we're at home. These are things that you might've been putting off for a long time. And the fact that I actually did one of them, that I didn't get someone in to do it, I feel really good about that. Now, could I have done it before? Yes, I put it off. I, I'm lazy. I procrastinated. Celebrate these things. And as you said, mental health is a big piece. Why, again, doing these little things gives you a purpose, gives you some something that you have control over. Because I think from our mental health point, that becomes the biggest piece is that we're in a situation where we don't know where the end is. And, and forget about when the end comes, we don't know. And that's the end of our lockdown. That's the end of maybe social distancing and, and things. I don't think it's ever going to end, quite frankly. I think we're going to see the new, the new way is there's always going to be some form of social distancing in place. But we, we don't have control over where everything's going to go. And so this is one thing you have control over. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, the other thing that I found has been, uh, for me, holding on to certain... Um, structures within your day that mm. you did before as being key. So for me, one of the big structures that I had was when I'm not working, I always walk the dog three times a day. Okay. Okay. Now on lockdown, officially I can't go out of my property. So what I've been doing is I've still been doing the walk, but I've created the longest possible walk around my garden as it happens. Yeah. Um, and just doing lap after lap after lap with the dog on a lead. Um, so that that way we're getting um, the exercise that I'm used to. And that, for me, has been absolutely magic. And interestingly enough, it's really been great for the kids too. Because traditionally, it was we do one of the walks together as a family, mm. and the other two would be done separately by us. But the kids, when they're doing their online schooling and all that kind of stuff, they get a bit stir-crazy with it too. So now we actually treat it. So I'll do... 15, 20 laps um, uh, of the uh, of the garden, and um, but they, we do it in turn. So the kids do two laps each, and then I'll do the next lap or two, and then we keep rotating it round. So they've actually, even though we're, we're walking round and round in one big kind of circular lap over and over again, that structure from normal day life has proved magic in terms of just keeping us all kind of centered and healthy. Seems to me I saw something very similar to what you're talking about from uh, Catboy, Mr. Simon Smedley, on Instagram, where he said he, I think, I, I, I'm not sure if I misread or if I'm imagining this, but I think he, he said he did 10 kilometers in his garden. I'm pretty sure it was some yes. extraordinary number like that. That's, that's pretty much what I'm doing every day. Um, and um, it's, it's great. I, I'm slightly worried that I'm about to create, you know, that uh, the track, like a, yes. a baseball field. Yeah, yeah. You know, 
Robert Landau will charge me for that. <laughs> you know, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. Um, but it, it's been really good. The dog's not too happy. He's <laughs> totally lost as to why the hell around in circles here. But you know, it's all part of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we, we've got listing things out and doing that audit. We've got cleaning up our and repositioning our rooms, moving them around. Do we have anything else on our DIY lockdown list? Plans for the future. Ah. Now is the perfect time to look forward. So when this, hopefully, not necessarily over, but you know, when things relax a bit, be ready to go. So therefore, if there were things that you were like, oh, I'd love to get that done, but it's going to take too long with the planning, plan it now. You Google is your friend. You can research in all directions. You can spend as much time as you possibly need making sure that your project after this is all finished is as good as it possibly could be. So um, the number of plans, obviously, we're moving. So we are just like, I'm up to here. It's just the amount of research that it's taken. <laughs> So the party that I'm moving to has been derelict for nine years. So the amount of work that's involved with that, and actually we have an incredible landlord who's, who's put a, a really great budget together to, for the work that's required. Um, but literally the planning process for that has been magic in terms of the amount of Google research that's been required so that once we are ready to go, um, we can hit it hard. Man, there we go. And you know what that is? That is... 10 minutes with Colin. Surely that is longer. <laughs> well, I'm looking at the clock, how long we've been talking. We've been talking for about 38 minutes and I'm figuring 20 of those was uh, DIY in lockdown, but Hey, that's all good. <laughs> Maybe we need to change that intro to, uh, you know, just words of wisdom from Colin or, <laughs> Oh, I'm sure your wife would love that one. Yeah, oh, it's classic. So we're talking about moving and move out, and that's something that's kind of the next phase that we will get to. Um, and interestingly enough, Rick, um, Rick at MacPack is a dear friend of mine, and um, we we talk a lot um, about uh, you know the moving industry and what people move. And there's kind of two schools here. There is either, I just can't face it, I'm going to get them to move everything, in which case, he's like, you would not believe the cabinet sometimes that you look at, it looks, this house is utterly pristine, and then they open the cabinet door to work out, okay, how are we physically going to move this? And they realise that there is just four tonnes of rubbish and tat inside this pristine cabinet, you know? So he has those kind of people he has to deal with. And he, he then says, look, I don't understand why people wouldn't have an almighty clear out before moving. And again, now is the perfect time for doing that. So looking through all of your stuff, Natalie has given me, Natalie, my wife, has given me the two projects, which is office and garage. Now, I've given her more than two projects, which is every single chest of drawers, because we have a lot in our in our place, and kids' baby clothes. Oh, no. I've never got this. So they're still in, they're still in the, um, uh, the kids' cupboards. But basically, she moves them down. So the bottom two or three are absolutely <laughs> no use to anyone. And, um, you know, we can, we can donate them. We do, we regularly donate clothes, but not enough. So she's got that to do, and then I'm going to be uh, looking at uh, trying to get the uh, my office, which has been a dumping ground for way too long, the garage, which is the dumping ground, sorted out. 
So those are going to be my projects, I think, as a start point. I think, I think you've really nailed yet another thing that we could all be doing is even if it's just starting, you're not planning to move, but you're, you're staying where you are, just cleaning out one cupboard at a time. I mean, I, I'm, I am so guilty. We're so guilty. So first of all, we've lived in our villa for 20 years. We have never moved. My boys are now in their 20s. They've moved. They're in their careers. They, they've, you know, finishing school. They don't live in country. I opened yeah. up one of my so and and both of their rooms are pretty much intact like they they come back they've taken some things with them but there is a lot of their room is here so when my boys come back to visit they don't need to bring clothes because they still have clothes here but even worse colin you're gonna love this one i open up so we've got built-in wardrobes we're really lucky i mean we were in the era when they still did that here so we've got built-in wardrobes i open up one of the middle wardrobes and i'm looking in and there's no clothes in it but there are three shelves eight feet in height filled with arts and crafts materials from when they were five my boys my boys are in their 20s now (laughs) yes yeah throwing that out when you're when you're throwing that emotion which is the the main reason why we all hoard a bit you throw in the emotion of of memories yeah and it gets a lot more difficult you know i'm absolutely guilty i've kept every every card that the kids have got for every birthday, and I know which drawer that's in. And I don't care what happens, that's going nowhere, without a doubt. Yeah. And um, you know, these things have memories, and it is, it's difficult, but there's, I think there's this balance, isn't there? Um, lots of people have that ideal for that, um, that clean, sleek family home that you see on Grand Designs and all the other places. And then you have the opposite extreme of that means so much to me that there's no way that's ever going. Yeah. Holds apart, aren't they? Yes. And all we're talking about here is when you're moving, um, it's a time to try and move from either extreme, I think, into kind of this midpoint, which is, okay, this this needs to come come forwards with me um, on the future life. And this stuff I can kind of leave with this house. So I've, I've got an added wrinkle to all this. When we moved here 20 years ago from Montreal, we lived uh, Jean-Talon-Papineau area. If people are wondering where I lived in Montreal. So very close to where our prime minister's riding is in Canada now. And I always find that amazing because that is not a, a high rent district of Montreal in the least. It's In fact, this summer when we drove down into that area, we were driving from the plateau and then we, we drove into our old neighborhood and we literally went underneath some train tracks and when we came up because we were now on the other side of the tracks where we used to live, we kind of went, are we in a different planet? Where are we? And it's like, you know, lock the doors. Uh, so when we moved from Montreal, we brought pretty much our house with us. And so when I go into my kitchen drawers, there's stuff in there that I haven't used in 20 years. I'm not even sure why I brought it with me, but I've got Montreal in the kitchen as well and around the house. I need to get rid of that stuff. <laughs> See, I came, I came 15 years ago now, I think, and um, I came with six boxes. Oh, man. Um, so, uh, which worked out really well, because if you imagine, I arrived here as a, a, a single, yeah, just under 30-year-old, I guess, and then that kind of life development was then wife and now kids and that is where you kind of agglomerate isn't it that's yes. where all of this stuff comes from 
And um, I don't think, I mean, Rick, Rick's literally said, look, I'll just bring the entire fleet and we'll just do as many trips as we have to do. There you go. So um, moving is going to be, it's going to be quite something. I, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, we do have to still do that show with Rick, just talking about stories of moving and what works and what doesn't work and how I, I think as, as and I, I say this purely from a selfish basis. So I want to have a, a chat with Rick from MacPack and we could do it together maybe because you've dealt with Rick for so long. So, you, you know, you could kind of introduce us and we could have this big conversation, but selfishly why I want to have the chat. Well, there's two reasons. One, I just think it would be entertaining to hear some of his stories that he, he could tell and that's better than Netflix. But the other side of it is as as that person who at some point in my career here in the uae is going to be using rick's services at macpack inevitably i will be moving somewhere in the uae in the next 20 years or home in the next 20 years to canada i'm going to need his services and i just think it would be great to know going into it what i can do and you you've alluded to the first one in just clearing out the crap but what what else i can do you know that nice little checklist of what i can do so that when rick and his team get here that it's as painless for them and for me as opposed to now this this whole sorting deal and and other things and i bet you he's got a whole bunch of little tips of things that I would never have thought of because they're so basic and so simple, but because they're so basic yeah. and so simple, I'm not thinking of them. So I'd love to have that yes. chat. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure he'd be well up for it. He's always great value. He drops in probably every couple of weeks um, to, uh, to We Will Fix It Towers, and um, um, we have a great chat. He's, uh, he's an entertaining fellow who works really hard. You know, That's a tough industry. Uh, without a doubt yeah. awesome so okay you got to get us on the list you got to get us interviewed uh, get us so we can we can have that chat and we still have to have a chat with dustin we still need to have a, a chat with dustin chernowski over there at enviroserve oh, yeah. yeah that's an interesting one yeah we definitely do <laughs> <laughs> um, in fact, his See, there's one big problem that we've got at the moment, which is suppliers. Uh-huh. Because everybody's really shut down. Yeah. It's literally a screw to, to get parts of things. We're managing so far, but Dustin, bless him, is, um, is doing great guns for us. Well, that's because he's a Western Canada, that boy. So, you know, he, he's, 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 he's got his head screwed on straight. That's for sure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, that, that's, a big, so that's a big question I've got, Colin, is, is, is with, with things like... Ace closed down and, and well, you know, temporarily closed. Uh, Speedex, uh, I, I don't know about my neighborhood, you know, hardware stores because I haven't been out in the neighborhood looking. But I've been wondering, uh, wh- where are people going like yourselves? Where where are you getting supplies now? If you, if you imagine, we've been, we've been doing this since 2008. So we have an absolutely enormous network. And what we've always stated to, um, to our purchasing teams is, um, I don't want one supplier for things. I need multiples. Mm. So that if we have a problem in one direction, we can always jump in another. So um, the brief to them has been, make sure that the whole network, you're keeping up to speed with not only who's open, but who actually has what, what, what parts are available in different locations and different suppliers. So from that, actually, what we found is, for most items, they still have residual stock, even if new isn't coming in. So we're all right at the moment. We are holding a lot more stock than we would do normally um, just to try and kind of cope with these things. But we know we are going to get caught out for the specialist items. So not the the everyday, but the specialist items. And that's where it's going to get really difficult. Mm. 
Well, let's hope that all of this blows over, so to speak, uh, sooner than later, and that we keep our, our heads level, that we keep focused and, you know, we carry on making things work. And I, again, you know, this, this circles right back to our conversation about this nation. One thing that, that really highlights it, and you've seen this from the entire time you've been here, I've seen it in the time that I've been here. We're, we're very, there's a lot of ingenuity. There's a lot of pride. There's a lot of, you know, we can make this happen and we can work through adversity, whether that be temperature, whether that be uh, geopolitical situations. In, in this case, whether yeah. this be a global pandemic, we can, we, we've got innovation on our side and we're going to make it work. So I think that filters down to the entire population and, and what you guys are doing over at We Will Fix It and Essential Maintenance is, is really a harbinger to how things are going to sort themselves out. And where there is a will, there is a way. <laughs> I can agree more. It comes right from the top, doesn't it? From Sheikh um, Mohammed down here in the UAE. There's this can-do attitude that is contagious when you come to Dubai, you know. Yeah. There isn't, the, the, the thought of no, it can't be done is, is almost the, the opposite of what this whole place stands for. So even on a micro level, that's exactly where we sit as well. So how can we keep operating? How can we still help our customers? What do we have to do to make that happen is very much the perspective that we're having on a daily basis. In fact, you know what, that's always been the way, but even more so now. And it's just a question of, of rolling with it, roll with the punches, and, um, and you know, we know that we'll get through it. On that note, Colin, I'm going to wrap up our podcast. As always, what a pleasure to have this conversation. If you want to get in touch with us, with a K at gmail.com. Follow us, Potaholics with a K across all the socials. If you want to get in touch with Colin, that's Essential Maintenance Dubai. We will fix it Dubai. You can find them online as well. And Colin joins us, well, every week at this time or so, we have a conversation about DIY and more in the UAE. You've been listening to Potaholics and the We Will Fix It podcast.